Hello, friends. Welcome to Success for Whole Ass Humans. I'm your host, Shari Bellucci, success strategist and well being coach for entrepreneurs, creatives, artists, activists, and thought leaders. I'll be your guide as well as your companion along the journey to cultivating a life grounded in your version of success while navigating the ups and downs that come with living a life as a whole ass human. We're often all going through such similar experiences and yet we still feel isolated in them. I've created this space because I know that there's power in having our experiences normalized and how deeply transformative it is to know that you are not alone. If you're going through an experience that's challenging or complex in your life or business and your brain has hit a wall, I want this to be the space that helps you open up that dialogue and conversation with yourself so you can explore and look at things in a way that ultimately helps you feel better and lighter. Like all of my content, my intention is not to present a one-size-fits-all solution, but to offer you possibilities to help you move through the stuckness so you can truly embrace your identity as someone who gets to create wild success, whatever that means for you, while being a whole-ass human. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, friends. Welcome to today's live stream. I have prepared a really fun guest interview for us today with my friend Zafira. So I'm gonna give y'all a couple seconds to pop on, give her a second to jump on. But today we're gonna be talking about visibility and getting opportunities as a person of color. And we're gonna be sharing this from a couple of different lenses. So Zafira is a copywriter and brand strategist. I am a success and well-being coach. And so one of the things that I have really benefited from is just navigating these opportunities and hearing from other people who have been navigating them. I think it's definitely been much more part of the conversation recently in like a post 2020 world. Um, But I also think that because there's such a risk to some of the visibility that's happening and the positions of power that people are holding, it can also be really um, intense to share about that. It can be risky to share about that on a public platform like social. And so I kind of wanted to create a space where we could talk about it. And um, Zafira and I will share kind of like our intentions around how we want to have this conversation in a second as well, because, you know, this is not like a blanket to like cancel people doing it one way or to like ignore what's happening either. We kind of want to bring both aspects of the awareness and also like the the strengths and the the opportunities that we have, because online business is just getting bigger and bigger like every day, especially post COVID. Right. And so if we can even say post COVID, but like (laughs) in this world, like more and more entrepreneurs are coming, more women, more black women, more women of color, right. Especially as the work culture of, you know, mainstream society is just not meeting the needs of people very holistically. More people are turning to being able to get that autonomy through business ownership. And so we really wanted to facilitate this conversation to give you some like experiences to sink your teeth into some context from both of us and give you an opportunity to ask any questions you have along the way as well. So Zafira, do you want to introduce yourself to folks? Hi. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Zafira oh. Rajan and I'm a personality driven copywriter and I work with online entrepreneurs and course creators um, to build, grow and scale 
meaningful digital empires, um, utilizing the power of sensory storytelling to just really connect with the people that need them the most. Um, and I'm so happy we're connected on here so we can have this conversation today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just as a background, I like reached out to Zafira through an email that she sent to her community, actually kind of talking about this. And I remember through her share that I was like, oh my gosh, like, yes, me too. And I was like, but also like, it feels like it's very rare for people to, to talk about this. And so um, I approached her about like having this conversation because I just know because of coaching clients, like behind the scenes and the conversations that I have privately, that this is a thing, but there's just not a lot of spaces, especially like in mainstream, like social media where these conversations are being had. And I actually think that they're really, really important. And so um, I'm excited that you agreed to join me. I know you have a new baby. And so even more like appreciative of you spending your time with us today. Oh, thank you. Speaking of which, <laughs> if you happen to hear some whales in the background, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah, not <Really>? sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's very much on brand for like whole ass human coaching. So yeah, we're totally but... here for that. <laughs> um, so our intentions for this conversation um, are mainly to bring some of our own personal experience, bring some extra context around the conversation as women of color, and also to like provide some specificity of examples around what we've seen not feel good, what we've seen feel good, um, offer some suggestions and insights, again, from us personally and what we've seen, right? We're not like speaking for the entire like community of people of color. And so this is a nuanced conversation, but I also think it's really helpful to have these anecdotes in your mind, especially if you're white or you're not a person of color and you want to attract more people of color to your opportunities, to your collaborations, to join your podcast, whatever that might be. Like here are some things to keep in mind so that you really can like be more inclusive around these things. And so we're going to not be specific about any, any particular events and things. Um, we also want to just like bring some specificity to the specific instances that we've navigated. Um, and keep in mind that these are our unique experiences. They will not speak for every single experience out there. Um, but they're also very common tropes, I can say, that I've heard from other people in this space, that I've heard from my colleagues and heard from clients. So there's also like a, a real weight, I think, to the common experience that and threads that we see. But there's nuance again that can't always be covered in a one hour or less conversation, but we're sure as hell going to try. <laughs> Sophia, is there anything you want to kind of add to the intentions or things you want people to walk away from this conversation with? Yeah, I just think, um, you know, I'm by no means like a DI expert at all, but I think sometimes a lot of these conversations like always have an expert in them. And I think this is just like a, like snapshot into what a genuine conversation would be like between two people who are just going through it <laughs> or who are 100%. like actively navigating it. Um, yep. And I'm not an expert on a lot of things in any ways, but all I can bring today is like my experiences that I, I have had so far and um, what I, what I want to see more of, what, what's like feeling really good. And um, yeah. yeah, just like your brand says, as being a whole ass human in the process. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that. And I appreciate that. Yeah. So just to kind of ground our conversation, will you share with people like how you identify in terms of race and culture, just so that we have some like context there? Oh my gosh. Do we have another hour? No, just okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's layered obviously, but I'm Canadian. Mm -hmm. My parents delivered me here. Um, but I was raised in Kenya and I grew up in Kenya, which is where they're from. And like ancestrally, both um, my parents have lineage um, back to India. So it's, I think it was like my great, great, great grandparents that immigrated to East Africa. And on my mom's side, there's potential lineage in Iran or Afghanistan. So, you know, doing doing the 23 and me test and finding out. <laughs> Interesting. I did not know that about you. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, whenever people are like, where are you from? I'm like, okay, here we go. Um, but yeah, that, that's, I guess, my answer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I find that so interesting because um, you're about to hear, hear mine. So yeah. I, and I actually, I like joined a, a mastermind this year that is very much focused on like decolonization, liberation. So like my elevator pitch of my racial identity has gotten like more refined because I used to say exactly kind of what you shared is like yes, it's I'm so like, layered <laughs> and it's like okay do I give you the cliff notes do I give the the long one but for me I identify as multiracial um I actually too was born in Canada I I'm an American I'm a dual citizen but um but I was born in Canada as well. Um, on my mom's side, they are Indian from East and South Africa. So um, Tanzania, my mom was born in Tanzania and my grandparents were born in, um, in South Africa. And so we're, you know, down the line, we are Indian, but it's been many, many generations since they've actually been in India. So a lot of our culture is much more East and South African, although there's definitely like you know, like linguistically, there's like my family speaks Gujarati and things like that. Yes. Um, and then on my dad's side, my dad is from Iran. Um, so I didn't know that about you. That's like... <laughs> oh, that. I didn't even mention my mom was born in Tanzania. Like, that's where she grew up, but they, they ended up moving to Kenya. So. <laughs> Our parents probably know each other. Our grandparents. They probably do. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really fascinating. I, I did not plan this. I knew Zafira had like East African cultural background, um, but I did not know the other part so that's really um fascinating i just forgot you were canadian to be honest i just <laughs> forgot <laughs> oh my goodness Salima is in here yeah her mom was born in tanzania too <laughs> <laughs> i love that that's so funny um so just as a, a baseline i guess it's helpful for people to have that context going into it too um and I think just to like level set this conversation, you know, a lot of when we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, justice work, we talk about like doing the work, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm curious, like when you think about the work, like how do you define that? What does that mean to you in the, the best, you know, <laughs> the best, like it doesn't have to be like, you know, Merriam-Webster definition, but if you were just to define like what is the work for you? Mm -hmm. um, how would you define that? And then what kind of work have you personally done around justice, equity, diversity, liberation, however you want to articulate that? Yes, um, that's a great question. So 
Oh, how would I define it? I think like the simplest way would be like actively seeking to learn and unlearn um, along the way and um, making a conscious effort to do both, <laughs> um, you know, mm -hmm. like both pursue like ongoing education from, um, you know, folks who are leaders and experts in that space, as well as like actively looking at my blind spots, actively um, connecting with my community and people I am with, uh, people I serve on like how I can do better and making sure that's like an ongoing process. Um, as well as just kind of like sitting in the messiness of it too, like in the middle. And like, I think we all saw a phase of everyone like actively sharing what their work was or like, act, mm -hmm. like, you know, but I think there's also something to be said about that in between period where you're just really digesting and processing and like implementing. Yeah. Um, so really trying to balance all of those things is really important to me. Um, I have a block in my calendar every week. That's like my, um, I don't like my power justice hour. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, is that what you call it? Is that the event name? I change Justice it. Hour? I change it like every week, but it's like it's got like the the, the this emoji in it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's just like doing the work. I think on an ongoing basis really takes like knowing yourself and what you can commit to. And if I just have a big like stack of things I want to get through or, or absorb like it feels really overwhelming and I feel like oh my mm -hmm. gosh I'm like falling behind I'm like not doing everything that I can what I can do is maybe like put a conscious hour in every week into mm. um you know the things that make me feel like I am doing the active learning and unlearning so that might be like reading a book it might be listening to a podcast it might be um like mm sending referrals to other like folks of color in my community it could be mm -hmm. like looking at survey responses from a program I just ran it could be like looking at like do I have profits to donate this quarter and like where can I put that um that can actively like serve um these spaces so mm -hmm. that's that's what doing the work looks like for me and it also shows up in like how I make everyday decisions you know like mm -hmm. who I'm what I'm choosing to consume and from who whether mm -hmm. it's like television shows I'm like whether it's like you know but like fiction books I'm reading, whether it's mm -hmm. like the music I'm listening to, um, who mm -hmm. I'm choosing to advocate for in conversations. So mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of the work also ends up becoming habits. And um, mm -hmm. that to me is like, I think like, um, you know, what I hope creates lasting change. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what oh, about you? Um, okay, wait, one question I have. How long oh, have yeah. you been doing these power hours? Because that's like fascinating to me. Um, truthfully, since, um, since the George Floyd, um, event took place. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I was just like, okay, there, I am going to be in this space. I am going to be, um, you know, like being confronted by stuff like regularly. And also yeah. it was the year that, um, people were starting to to view me as an expert for some reason or like you know be like mm -hmm. oh that is a woman of color in marketing online yeah. space I'm like, okay <laughs> <laughs> and um even if i was making a conscious effort in many of the things that i was mentioning before yeah. um i also really wanted to take responsibility as like a leader in my arena to make mm -hmm. sure that um it was being consistent you know and um yeah. 
that's just that's a whole other ball game so um, yeah. I recognize like there was a lot more work I could have been doing and that I wanted to commit to so yeah that's still I mean doing an hour for like two years it's like a pretty lasting commitment I mean I hope so. I mean, it doesn't feel like a lot, to be honest. For me, a lot of the weeks, it doesn't feel like nearly enough. Um, I just went to grab my phone to go calculate that. Wait, that's like, <laughs> that's definitely over 100 hours. Yay. I think that's pretty freaking cool. Um, One can try. I think that's pretty freaking cool. I love Thank that you, you shared that because I know like, you know, a lot of my clients are business owners and we do things like that um, for big projects, right? Like maybe you want to set aside like an hour for client care or an hour for like CEO strategy time, but like an hour power justice hour, like, <laughs> damn, that's like cool as hell. Okay. Um, so for I anyone who lives and breathes with their calendar, I highly recommend <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing it if it's not in there. That's, that's, <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, okay. So for me, what question did I ask? I asked, oh, what is the work? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's, I mean, it's a big question, but I guess like when I think about doing the work for me, I think about like integrating, like integrating your values and to me being like committed to the work is about like are you committed to seeing and recognizing people's lived experiences that are not the same as your own right mm -hmm. and I think that is the part of the work because so much of the issues that I believe that we have around the world is the fact that like we are separate and we're separating ourselves and othering other people because we don't see them as part of our group. Like when you see someone as part of your group, you protect them, you care for them, you really treat them in a different way. When we have that separateness and divisiveness, that's where all the bullshit comes up. And I think that, you know, a lot of the problem with, with white people in America is just that like, they, some people have actually never met a person of color or don't have like, a access to that experience in their close network. And so mm -hmm. like when I moved to Tennessee, like I was the only Muslim person that a lot of people had ever met in their entire lives. Oh, wow. And the only way that they had known about Muslims was like through the media and like fun. <laughs> and so many, I think that's also what happens in the online space is that like we operate based on referrals we generate more of the spaces that look like us. And so it's not always through a malicious attempt to exclude people of color, but it's like you just end up recreating more of the same and you mm -hmm. keep perpetuating more white people. And then you refer your other white friend to this white friend. And the next thing you know, like at the top of the food chain is like a lot of white people, right? And so same thing with any other lived experience, right? Like if you're dealing with like socioeconomic, like there's all, all actually a lot of people who don't have anyone in their intimate circle who have that experience of being poor. And so like when you're thinking about things, you think of it intellectually versus like viscerally. And I think part of the work is like being able to have empathy for a lived experience that's not your own because that allows you to treat someone like a human being. 
I love that. Like the first word that came to mind as I'm hearing you say that is like, okay, yes, empathy. Like, duh. That's like the best <laughs> way to put it. That's really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, what was the second part of my question that I asked? What does the work look like for you? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, gosh, I've actually, I didn't think I had done a lot of like formal work, but actually I, I have. Um, one, I think just, I have a lot of lived experience with like all the moving that we've done and, mm -hmm. you know, growing up in Toronto, which is like extremely multicultural, like population of like 6 million plus, like one of the most multilingual cities in North America, um, moving to Chattanooga, Tennessee, which when I moved there, gosh, like 15 years ago, it was like a community of 60 plus, yeah. uh, like seniors, you know what I mean? Like uh, 60 plus, like age wise. So lots of elderly folks, um, black and white were like the two categories. And there was maybe like one or two brown people in my school. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and just, yeah, from there going to college, like moving to Houston, now living in Oregon, like I just have a lot of lived experience, plus all those layers that we talked about, about earlier that I think have given me a lot of like interaction with different types of people. Yeah. Um, and just formally, you know, like I have done um, like a facilitator training through um, or facilitated training through the Center for the Healing of Racism. I also you know, do like, I'm in my own containers for my own liberation work. I also like you, like try to integrate it into how I think about business and even how I'm hiring. I'm hiring right now. And like the way that I hire is built to speak to some of these issues, the way that I like attract clients, like all of those kinds of things. So for yeah. me, I think it's, it feels less separate because I think some of the work was already done. So I haven't had to like intentionally check boxes in the business as much, but like, mm -hmm. I think there's just, I also just, you know, the kind of person I am is I, I really observe things and absorb a lot through observing yes. um, and through speaking with people. And so I think for me, that's been a really good opportunity to learn because if you're open to it and you're in different contexts, you will be met with people who have very different lived experiences. And if you're actually listening to it, like you can, you can grab something from that in terms of like adding to your repertoire, I think. Yeah, there is something really to be said about being a listener throughout this process versus like a doer for the sake of doing. Mm. And um, like that quiet space I was mentioning in between, I think is, is really, it's so important. I think it's so yeah. important. Yeah, I love that. Um, okay, so I'm going to start off with like a not easy question. Um, <laughs> I can see like your face got like awesome. Um, Okay, so what trade-offs have you made for these values that you have around the work? What like trade-offs have I made? Mm -hmm. Like in your business as it relates to visibility and opportunities. Oh, oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I've had to say no to things that could like definitely bring me more clients, bring me more money, bring me more referrals. Um, simply because, yeah, they weren't aligned, like 
either the way the host approached things wasn't aligned with my values or, you know, the way I could see them leading their business wasn't reflective of Mm -hmm. um, values that um, I would ideally love to see (laughs) cultivated. And Mm -hmm. um, also, I think there's a cost of like, emotional labor. Like I've definitely had experiences where um, I have been unexpectedly uh, thrust into the spotlight or like had visibility Mm -hmm. like on me without being prepared for it or without knowing it was going to happen. And then having to feel like the impact of that too. So yeah, yeah, I think it's been like financial, it's been emotional. um, Mm -hmm. And it's also I do feel like a lot of folks don't, white folks don't have to go through like that mental, like back and forth, like this on, on the same level of like, yeah. if I say, yes, this will happen. If I say, no, this will happen. Um, yeah. Where does it leave me? Um, and yeah, it's just, it can be mentally very taxing, like just navigating visibility in this space in a way that, um, yeah, has been quite confronting to be honest. Yeah. Has it been that way throughout your business for you or has this been mainly a post 2020 phenomenon for you? Um, Let me think about that one carefully. To be honest, I think like when I first started my business, I, I didn't really, I was, I was more eager to say yes to anything, right. Just to, you know, get my business off the ground to, um, to connect with more people, to connect with more clients. And -hmm. I think it's really only after I felt like solid and stable as an entrepreneur, like, oh, like this is going to be my career now. This is not just something that I wanted to try just to see if it worked out. And I really started to then look at myself as a CEO. I started to look Mm -hmm. at myself as a business owner and like, okay, how do I want to conduct myself and how do I want to show up in spaces? representing the fear of Russian ink like you know that was a completely different mindset shift um so I would say like once I sunk into that I um I found myself being a lot more thoughtful about these opportunities and that was definitely before 2020 um but the difference is prior to 2020 opportunities were not easy to come by so it's not like I was swimming and requesting like oh should I do this one today you know it Mm. was really like trying hard to make sure I was included it was really trying to advocate for myself um it was trying to yeah that it it was a different like energy input output compared to what happened after 2020 and that's why I wasn't prepared for 2020 because it's like the table's completely turned and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you have decision power, you have bargaining power and you have never accessed that before. So, yeah. and there's no script, there's no rule book, there's no like, <laughs> no you know, dial 911, like, you know, yeah. visibility coach um, in those moments. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the difference, right? I appreciate you sharing that. And I think that's a trade-off in itself um, you know, of like at the beginning of your business, you probably chose to say yes to things and like almost didn't have the clout to go with the values at the expense of the business to some degree. I mean, whether that was quite as top of mind or not, it was almost like you had to prioritize playing the game to a certain extent. Of course. And, you know, like now you feel like you have enough 
safety financially and otherwise to be able to like say no and really exercise those values in a different level. Yeah. And beyond the safety, I think it's also like, it takes a while to develop your gauge as a business owner, what feels good and what doesn't. Right. Like I, I think, um, in that in between space between like, I think I can like say no to things and should I say yes to this? Um, you know, it's how you feel about the clients you're attracting. It's how you feel about the projects that you're doing. And you're like, you know, you do get to a point well, I did at some point. I was like, I don't know if um, I'm like putting out the right vibes here because like, <laughs> everyone who's like coming my way is like very white yeah. or like I have to yeah. educate a lot and a lot of blind spots and yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. Bless you. Um, and that's when I was like, well, okay, so maybe maybe I need to refine a little bit or maybe I need to like better examine where I'm showing up. So yeah. um, how your business feels throughout all of this, I think is also like a really good reflection of like what, you know, what message are you sending really? Yeah. I love that. Um, okay. So when you're looking at an opportunity and you're like vetting for it, like, I feel like, I feel like POCs low key have like all these signals we look for to like, see, like, what are your signals? What are the, yeah. What are the signals that you look for when you're betting? If you like get an inquiry to your inbox or your DM, like what are the things that you're doing to investigate? Um, I'm looking to see if I'm part of a canned pitch. Cause it's very easy to tell. It'll just be the haze this year as the only text that looks different. <laughs> like, well, it doesn't take a lot to clear formatting. Um, <laughs> no, just that, that, that's just like any cold pitch. Um, but what I'm really looking for is um, the signs that I'm being invited for my expertise, not my skin color. Um, and at the same time, um, really ensuring that like who is represented is... Um, just like an accurate reflection of like the expertise they want to bring to the table, mm-hmm. you know, and that it's not like a, it's not like a two out of 10 or, or like people of color. It's just, it's like, it's really even as much as possible. I would love it to be 50% people, mm-hmm. like pe- folks of color who are the experts on like a summit or like, I'm talking about a, a group event. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you scan um, the speaker page to like, or like yeah, ask them definitely. for a list of speakers and scan. Yeah. Okay, even, cool. Even if like there are a lot of the times it will be in the early stages and they're just mm-hmm. inviting people. Right. And I will, right. you know, let them know, like, this is really the ratio that I um, am comfortable with. Otherwise, mm. like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they keep that in mind and they're mm-hmm. um, always really eager to share like who's on their lineup. Um, and like basically whether they've done their homework on me, you know, mm-hmm. um, have they been in my community for a while? Um, mm-hmm. Have they been looking at the, what I'm up to? Like, what is it specifically that I bring to the table that will be most beneficial for their audience? Mm-hmm. Right. Because like, I don't like to show up just um, because it gives me visibility. I always want to make sure I'm delivering value for their audience mm-hmm. and they're walking away with something um that's amazing so i'm being invited to speak to a group of folks that i am not typically the expert to speak to or mm-hmm. um i don't know that much about like i will happily be like i think you should invite this person instead mm. <laughs> um but basically if they've done their research i'm like yes you're the best possible person to represent like this 
skill set and for this mm -hmm. audience um and that they how know do you decide that like what are the things that you look for do you look at um, their profile do you look at the pitch itself like oh yeah i do so much stalking i love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i definitely look at like i look at their website i look at their socials i look at if they've done these events in the in the past like have they looked like that um mm. if this is an event where like everything's changing and they're doing it differently. Um, mm -hmm. Is it going to be different going forward? Um, and just like, yeah, the expectations of me as well, right? Mm. I think um, sometimes like host, event hosts can ask a lot of like their, <laughs> their experts. <laughs> oh my gosh. Don't really even, it's, it's <laughs> and for free. Yeah, so even if it is something that like is really aligned, if I honestly don't have like the emotional energy to like pour into promoting it as best as I can for them, like mm -hmm. maybe I'm just not the right person for this event. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, it is definitely a li long list of things. But to be honest, like I have a gut check right away as soon as I read a pitch of whether this mm -hmm. is a good fit or not. Um, mm -hmm and whether we have like anyone in common like typically someone who like another host or another someone who's been interviewed me before and recommended mm -hmm. me like that is like almost always going to be a good yes because i mm -hmm. especially if someone i trusted and enjoyed speaking mm -hmm. with um but to be like the number one thing that i really value in invitations is a request to chat with me first like one-on-one -on -one, um because I'm always really surprised at how many people will just trust that like you can just show up and like <laughs> deliver value on like an event to thousands and thousands of people without ever talking to you, you know, yeah. and mm -hmm. especially if I'm going to be interviewed or whatever, I really just like to have a bit of a vibe check to make sure we're mm -hmm. on the same page. And um, mm. so people who like really are going to take that time to get to know their speakers Mm -hmm. um, is really important to me and mm. that really supports me and also feeling safe showing up for them. Mm. Yeah. I'm like sure that. there are other things too, but that's, that's top of mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what about you? Yeah, I think similar. I look, I mean, I definitely like take in the, the pitch and like, frankly, I just ignore like cold pitches like blanket mm -hmm. or not cold pitches but like templated pitches like if it's not personalized hell no yeah um <laughs> like because then it's like there's no specificity on why me like you're wasted no. it's like you're someone's va who like is just blanket sending out this invitation um so that's a that's like a hard pass for me <laughs> um but often for me at least at this stage in my business and to be fair, I've only been in the coaching business about a year and a half before that I was doing the marketing done for you work for several years. And so vis like visibility was not high on my list, like as a mm -hmm. service provider. And the main thing that I did was like networking. So, you know, that just in there to like context a little bit, but a lot of the invitations that I get are from randos that I have never met or known before who just like come across my profile and reach out to me. And I've said yes and no to different opportunities. I will immediately go to their profile. Um, Instagram is my main platform. So I will usually look them up on Instagram and I will scroll to June, 2020 <laughs> and I will see 
how they reacted to that moment. I will see, did they even acknowledge that shit was going down, number one? Did they all of a sudden ghost their platform and then come back and not mention anything? Mm-hmm. Were they business as usual? That's like, I like go there immediately. And like, the longer we get away from that, like the more infinite scrolling I have to do to do that. But for me, that's like really good data. If there's a question mark on a person, that's what I go do to see like, okay, let me find out how ratchet you are. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. I love that. Yeah. Um, and then obviously like I go to see the list of speakers. I like to see, you know, who, who else is speaking? Are there any other people of color represented? And if there's not, is there a logical reason? And mm-hmm. almost there's almost never a good reason not to have people of color on your speakers list. Unless yeah, you're <laughs> like, there's just, yeah, there's very rarely, but like occasionally there might be, especially like if there's a really low number. Right. Yeah. So like, I know that like, you know, people of color are not necessarily a majority in the country right now. Um, but like, we should be at least representative of the population, right? So like, mm-hmm. let's say there, you know, the population is 20% black, then I want 20% of your speakers to be black. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. you're, your lineup should reflect like the actual <laughs> population. Otherwise there's something going on there. So, um, so I like to look for that as well. I think every person of color probably like low key looks for that. Um, if not, that's, that's almost an automatic no for me. Um, at this point in my life, I just don't have the energy to emotional labor, educate, navigate yeah. all of that shit anymore. If there are some or if, or what I see more common now is people like, I've reached out to someone with color, but everyone has said no, or like those yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. That's when I'll do like further investigation, right? And I'll look into their clients, like are their clients diverse or not? And is this mm-hmm. like a luck of the draw? Like all the white coaches have said yes already. And the other invites are like outstanding for some reason. Like, let's say they have a list of 20 and they have like four posted, right. Then I might be more willing to give benefit of the doubt, but I feel like the majority of your clients are all white. And like, I look through your feed and your team is white. Like, yeah, that's for me a really good signal. Um, yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and I just acknowledge how exhausting that is for both of us to do. I, when you were talking, I was like, we do this for every opportunity. It's so tiring. That's why by the time you say yes, you're already drained. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It really takes those multiple levels of like, you know, just like really inviting the whole, like making sure you feel safe and then like giving you the yeah. tools to show up successfully. Um, yeah. It's a process. It's a process. It is. Okay. So to pivot a little bit, like what are some of the opportunities that you've been a part of that have felt really, really good? Like what did they get right? What did they do differently? Mm-hmm. Um, if you've, I mean, assuming I, you have been part of that, cause I got the email, this, the email that inspired it was one where you were like, they did something right. So, yeah. Um, who was it that I was a part of? Um, there were two summits actually I was a part of this year. And like, to be honest, I say no to most summits. Cause like, I don't, I don't even go to a summit. It's just, I can't, 
It's just mm-hmm. not how I process information. Mm-hmm. Um, but I said yes to Linda Sardu's summit. Um, and Linda's a client of mine. She helps folks with quizzes. And Linda is someone who I really do feel is an incredible ally. Um, she has continued to support my business, advocate for me, like give me multiple opportunities to show up in front of her audience, um, hired me over and mm-hmm. over again, and um, will like sing my name to the rooftops without like even just asking for it, um, will invite me into spaces, prep me in advance for visibility, being like, I might call on you to share about this. Are you comfortable with that? Um, so she's someone that I really have, has felt, um, embodies the qualities of someone who is like a safe, inclusive, supportive host, uh, Mm -hmm. an event. And, um, her audience is also like, uh, you know, it's not like on mass, but like who's in it is amazing and like really valuable and you can really get to know them and make lasting connections. So um, I'm a big fan of folks like that who have like the micro audiences that are so strong. And that's Mm. for a reason. It's usually because that person has like really done the work to cultivate that. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah, like hers stands out to me because I also remember, um, I think I had COVID when I was like recording my interview with her. I was just mm-hmm. about to like have COVID and she was so accommodating. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, I'm like my voice, like, like I think had gone and it just yeah. back and she was so understanding of it. So um, yeah, I think anyone who really like, it's, I really appreciate being part of an event where that's like not the first time I'm getting to know the host or that's not the mm-hmm. first time we're like connecting. Like we have a bit of, shared Mm. history um or like we've you know we've collaborated in some way before but I think it just Mm -hmm. yields itself to like much more natural conversation and flow and um yeah that's like one this year that really stands out to me that I really enjoyed being a part of Mm. and I also saw the side effects from so like you know like I I definitely like gained um you know clients they gave me subscribers but not like it's mm. not about the numbers it's like the quality of the people mm-hmm. um yeah. that um she attracted who are part of that um that came mm. into my life and have um presented me with opportunities to do things that like I've always wanted to do or I've thought about like it really mm-hmm. is just because it was like ping-ponging of values like throughout the whole thing so yeah. that was really special to me yeah mm. I love that yeah Mm, I'm thinking to my own experience of um, events I've been part of that I felt really good. Um, I think just like thoughtfulness in the pitch, like really does um, help a lot, especially in acknowledging that there's like a even exchange going on. Right. So for me, even exchange is like, huge like I want to make sure that there's a value exchange on both ends because like mm-hmm. I am running a business and if I'm doing something visibility wise that is for primarily someone else's business then that is like time that I'm not spending generating income for my business okay. and so there needs to be some sort of value being exchanged there. I don't feel like it always has to be monetary but particularly for speaking events I think monetary is important but like for like 
you know, collaborations and other things. Like I think there's so many other forms of exchange that can happen there that are valuable. And that's what I look for in the pitch is that there's a thoughtfulness of that value exchange. I received an invitation, I think it was last year around like December or January that was like so thoughtful. And the pitch included like why they wanted me to speak. Um, it included what would be expected from me in terms of promotion. It included um, what my options were in terms of like getting it done. Cause it was kind of relatively last minute in terms of like the event was like within a month or something. Oh, wow. And so, and so like, for me to even be a yes to something like that, <laughs> that soon, I needed it to be like relatively easy to fit into the schedule. And they gave me like several different options. They were like, you can pre-record or we can interview you or whatever. Um, and so, and then they also offered compensation wow. and affiliate commission actually. Um, and like the compensation wasn't huge. I think it was like a hundred dollars and a percentage of, um, affiliate commission. And it was a pretty generous portion. I don't remember. I honestly don't remember right now, but I think it was somewhere between 20 and 50% of any Amazing. like tickets that were sold. And for me, it was like, so clear that they valued my time, right. That like, this was going to help them, but it was also going to help me. And like, even if this person didn't have a huge audience, like for me, it was just such a hell yes for all of those reasons because yeah. of the care that they took around their speakers instead of like treating it like a transaction of like, I want to leverage your audience or your expertise for my oh, stuff. Really? Right. And you should be so grateful that you're being invited for this visibility opportunity. Right. Um, and Until so they, I like, think how many subscribers you really have. <laughs> 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 that too. <laughs> no, um, okay. no, yeah. I mean, I think that's, that was like, I think compensation is huge for me. I didn't mention that in the signals I look for, but yeah. actually I think offering compensation is really important, especially for a speaking event where you're like basically giving a free training to yeah. someone else's audience. Um, I don't think it has to be large, but I think and I, you know, this is where you hear a lot of the bullshit excuses for why people can't like have a budget for it and they're not like making enough money. And I'll save that, like <laughs> that tangent for something else. But like one, that's, that's a cost of doing business is like paying speakers. Yeah. Right. And, and what happens that I think this is kind of where the equity piece comes in is like, we know that people of color, like systemically are just at a disadvantage in a lot of ways, social mobility economically, right? And so this isn't true across the board, but like from a, from a systemic point of view, right? Like white coaches are probably more resourced than mm -hmm. than the POC people. And so like what you're really asking there and because the coaching industry does like have that, you know, we're going to perpetuate the circles that we have and referrals and like uplifting a certain part of the community. I think what can happen with that is just that the people who can say yes are the people who have the privilege of having enough money and resources to do something for free for fun versus if you're deciding between doing something revenue generating and something like for free out of the generosity for the visibility, mm -hmm. like there's a real cost of business to you. Right. And again, like 
I know that there are, are white people who also have to make these choices, but I think just looking at like from an equity perspective, I think there really is an important part to paying your speakers of color and ideally paying every single one of your speakers, um, even if it's just a demonstration of good faith that like, I know that in order for you to spend time doing this, you are not spending that hour with a client or you are not doing an hour of revenue generating activity. And here's, here's how I'm making up for that. Um, So I think that's huge for me. I think that is huge. And I I think like, you know, something you touched on um, is also something that I think is really great to see moving forward. And what I've noticed recently is offering folks choices when they say yes. So like you said, like, do you want to pre-record something or do you want to be interviewed, right? Depending on your energy level for that month, that could feel different. But I've mm-hmm. also started receiving choices like, are you um, are you open to like volunteering your time or would you prefer like compensation for your time? And, you know, I think just like presenting that is like yeah. on its own, like really helps a lot because there are folks yeah. who are like, I'm happy to volunteer. In fact, most of the speaking stuff I've done has like, been zero dollars. <laughs> But, right. um, you know, like we, especially if it's someone like I really love and like, I know, like we work together or whatever, I'm like happy to do that. But I appreciate being given the choice, right? Because you yeah. never, you never know what someone's situation is like. You never know what the true cost of that time is for them. Um, mm-hmm. So that's something that I, I've noticed more recently that I really do appreciate. Yeah. I love that you said that. Cause actually I feel the same way. Like I, and maybe this will be like our, our final question, but like when I've had yeah. to like go back and forth in, in turning down opportunities, that is something that I would say, like if I get pushed back and they're like, well, I thought the visibility would be enough or, you know, other people are happy to like do this to build their audiences. Yeah. You know, one thing I said is like, I wish you would have expressed that this was a, this was a donation of my time basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm available for that, but like, that's a very different category of thing to me that's not asking me to like be a guest speaker at your event that is really asking for a collaboration or yeah volunteering time and for me there's a distinction there like with a lot with like with my IG lives like those are pure collaborations people volunteering their time but yeah. for like my when I bring in speakers to like talk to my clients at our monthly get togethers, like I pay those speakers. And so like they're delivering a training. Right. And like to me, there's like just clear context there that feels really important. And also like the lift I do is different. Right. For those events, people are preparing worksheets. They are preparing their presentation and training and they're delivering it for like when I'm hosting and someone else is volunteering their time, like I put the thought into the questions, like I coordinate, I do all the coordination and I let them like show up kind of minimal effort so that like, I think there's just that exchange in mind that I think is really important versus like asking someone to do all this labor for free. Yeah. I think it's like, you know, really creating a supportive environment for you to thrive as like an expert. And like, that is, it starts from like the very first email right up yeah. to that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess one, um, one thing that we didn't, we touched on a little bit, but we didn't quite like unpack at all. Um, that might be helpful for folks to keep in mind is like, how do you handle it when there's a request that comes in and you do your signal vetting process and it's a no for you? or it's a maybe or not sure, like, 
what what do you do? Do you give context to that person on why you're turning them down? Do you just like turn it down? Do you like not respond? Like kind of how do you navigate that for yourself? Yeah, um, if it's something that's super cold pitch, like no. Like, um, I just, I honestly will not give it the time of day. I'm currently at the tail end of a drip campaign from someone in particular. (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure you don't want to be featured in the top 50 podcast? I really thought you would be interested. Like (laughs) that stuff. No, I'm I'm not going to even give it a space to to reply, but I am enjoying just seeing how long they'll keep doing it for. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) If it's, um, if it's someone that I, I really do think had like, you know, genuine intent to bring me on, but really wasn't aligned, I will do my best to express why it wasn't a good fit. Um, and, you know, if they're a good host, they will just take that and they will, they'll accept it. And I'll be like, okay, we can definitely start to do better. Sometimes they've come back to me for the second time and been like, you know, I've been doing a lot of work around this and like, here's what I've shifted mm. and here's what I've changed. And I really appreciate that. You know, I mm. think, I think like we opened this conversation around doing the work. I think if people are really committed to doing the work, I don't have to mince my words. I think they would appreciate knowing um, mm. what it, what a yes signal is and what a no signal is. And mm. I think it's also a good indicator if they're like, can we jump on a call so we can like, you know, I'd love to learn more or like, I'd love to ensure it really do- it does shape up to be like, you know, the inclusive event that I'm envisioning and like where I'm falling short, not to do like mm-hmm. emotional labor, but um, maybe they're just, yeah, their approach could shift a little bit. Right. Mm. Um, and if it's that person who's like in between where it's like, they really did mass email, like a hundred folks. And like, I just happen to be one of them. I will just mm-hmm. give them like a short, uh, you know, like this, I'm sorry, this isn't for me. Um, yeah. And I'll probably never hear from them again. <laughs> um, and I'll just be like, you know, like respectively, like yeah. I have to decline. It's just not a good fit for, for me or your audience. Um, and mm-hmm. like, I wish you the best of luck. Um, yeah. And I also, I'm always open to sharing recommendations for like other folks if it just wasn't aligned with me but I do think they're great hosts I do think they're putting on a good event I just don't think I'm the best person to show up there so wherever possible I do like to resource them but um, only if I feel like they are genuinely committed to creating (laughs) that kind of space for their event yeah Yeah. what about you um that's a really good question. <laughs> I love it's... how you're like, my questions are good. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> they are. It's like, you know, you, you imagine asking someone you don't always imagine asking yourself. Them. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, this one's always really hard. Like I, it's a lot of emotional labor to be honest. And I have to decide every single time how much I'm willing to go into it. Agreed. Um, I, in the past, I have erred on the side of explaining more, but I think as I get fuller and fuller in my business, as my capacity and flux diminish, like, I think I will probably be doing less and less explaining and more of like, more of like an identification of why I'm saying no versus an explanation. Mm. So 
what I'll do. And, and I think I have been doing this for the most part, but I, right now I, I have taken the, the approach of engaging more and back and forth. And just for my nervous system, that like probably takes three days of energy for me (sighs) to be honest. And so like, that's just not, that's not worth it for me right now. And so what I'll do is I will say like, um, no, these are the, like, these are the reasons I don't feel comfortable signing up. And I would recommend you make X, Y, Z changes in the future. (laughs) Like, bye. (laughs) And, and just basically leave it like that. If it's someone I'm open to, I'll say like, I'm open to any follow-up questions you have, Mm -hmm. but if not, then I just, won't because I I don't have space for the defensive bullshit. I don't have space for you doubling down on how you're not a racist and giving me like all these coded words for how you're actually not a racist. Like I just don't have it in me. And yeah, yeah, I just don't have it. And it, it hurts like hell because like, to be honest, so many other people I respect in the industry are doing these events and are saying yes to them and not questioning it. And it feels like betrayal sometimes to be honest. It's like, I have these opportunities to be in these spaces that I know are very valuable and I'm picking value over profit. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it's like one of the first things you asked me, right? Which is like, what's the trade-off? And what have been some of the trade-offs? This is an example of, of the trade-offs and why it feels so exhausting for us and not other folks to like have to navigate this whole mental process of if, um, it's the best use of our time and energy. And even if it could be lucrative, even if it could be profitable, um, mm-hmm. whereas other folks just like, don't have to give it a second thought. And it's just like, yeah, sign me up. Right. Um, yep. and it can sometimes feel like what's the best example of this when you're like trying so hard to recycle, but they keep pumping out like plastic anyways. And you're just like, <laughs> like they're putting on the event anyways, but regardless of with or without you and yes. someone else will take that spot. And it's like, it's not like you have the power to stop this problematic event. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, like it's going to go on without you. It is. And so you're, and nobody will freaking know unless you decide to call them out and risk your reputation. Yeah, I have had a couple of instances where I've had allies who have pulled out or who have decided to like, who have held space for that and have followed. But that also requires me to like say something to other people or ask them about it or, you know what I mean? But, but yeah, potentially putting yourself in a place of feeling unsafe, right? Like that's what Mm -hmm. it's taken. So yeah, that's, that is just, the nature of things and it's the reality but it's good we're talking about it because probably folks yeah. don't know that's what happens behind the scenes of, of an event all these like, no. layers of decision making a hundred percent i so appreciate you i know we're at um time so i want to be mindful yeah. to Thanks. to wrap us up but y'all if you have questions if you're catching the replay feel free to drop a comment with your question tag one of us and we'll be happy to like respond yeah. um because I know a lot of y'all like to watch the, the replay and, um, and also just like, it's very nuanced. Your situation might be different. Feel free. My DMs are open as well. Sometimes I know that these aren't conversations that feel super great to have in a public forum. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope this just like gives you a lot of permission around some of the things that we navigate, even at the levels of success in our business. Um, I'm going to be, you know, entering the fourth year of my business. Zafira, you've been in business for what, like six, seven years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, think, um, yes, six, yeah. 
maybe. Like, so, I mean, I? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, things are changing and definitely people are waking up. But I think there's definitely an element of where you have to, like, think about your own context and your own peace and nervous system and those trade-offs. But you have to make them. And and so I just appreciate you kind of sharing your experience and giving me the opportunity to, to host this conversation. Um, if people want to find you, if people want to learn from you, connect with you, or hire you, how do they do that? Oh, thanks. So I, first of all, I appreciate you holding the space for this conversation and inviting me in. Um, so that means a lot. And if folks want to connect with me, um, you know, you can follow me on Instagram here and at the link in my bio, there's options to join my email list. That's where I get my most raw and honest and real as Terry knows. And I'm not a email you every week kind of person, but email you when I have something of value to share kind of <laughs> So if you are down with that, I would love to um, see you on that list. And my DMs are always open. I, I have lots more conversations in there than I do in comments on, on posts that I remember to post. So <laughs> just keeping it real. Yeah, the DMs are where it's at for like that intimate yeah, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's all good. I love it. Um, and if y'all are looking for support in your coaching business, if you want someone who can kind of hold space for you and help you think through these different opportunities, or even like hold space for how you think about living out your values and building a business that is centered on your values, that is profitable, is scalable, but also really makes space for your well-being and not having to run your business at the expense of your well-being. I would love to support you. The next step would be to book a discovery call with me. Uh, my schedule is at the link in my bio. I have four spaces available for one-on-one -on -one coaching. One-on-one -on -one coaching is like my jam. It's what I love to do. I love the depth and intimacy of those containers. Um, so if that is something that you would like to explore, I would love to chat with you, meet with you face-to-face -face and see how I can support you in this season. Oh, yay. Book those calls, people. <laughs> <laughs> Safira, I appreciate you. Thank you all for joining us and we will talk to you soon. Bye y'all. Thank you for listening to Success for Whole Ass Humans. If you enjoyed this episode or have found this podcast valuable in your business journey, please leave us a review so that more people can find us and we can keep spreading the message that we get to be whole ass humans and create wild success. If you want to connect with me more, feel free to follow me on Instagram at Shari Bellucci, and I will see you all next time.